hello hello good evening everybody welcome back to another episode of the deductionist podcast being streamed to you live at a slightly uh, irregular time uh, not to not to paraphrase the irregulars all too far but detective fiction is the um, is the topic for discussion this evening we're bringing to you uh, another pillar uh, of the memory mastery community uh, again backed by popular demand to discuss uh, a, a project of some intrigue <laughs> and i use some <laughs> i use some uh, 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 as, a, as an understatement here uh, in this particular in this particular situation, so everybody, please welcome back, Mr. Anthony Mativier. The crowd goes wild. I actually have a sound yeah. effect for that as well. Wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> the multi-sensory <What>? Ben. <laughs> right, I've I've upped my game since last time. <laughs> nice, nice. I love that. How, how you doing, sir? How you been? It's been a while since we've actually spoke face to face. Yeah, it feels like forever and a day. Well, great to see you, and thanks for right doing back this. At you. That intro music is astonishing. I love that. <laughs> right, it's 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 epic. There's a there's a little a, a little brief moment when it when it kind of goes out of the countdown, and I'm just kind of I I I, I forget that it's on. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah I have right. to I have to I have to start talking now. Um, <laughs> so. You know, uh, what have you been up to during uh, during lockdown since last we spoke, other than the obvious? What, what's what been keeping you busy? Well, if I look like I'm either, you know, nervous or on speed, it's because it's freezing cold here in Australia. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> so I've been... That's an oxymoron, of, uh, surely. <laughs> no, it is. It's, uh, <laughs> they've had some sort of cold snap here. And, wow. you know, the odd thing is I came here as a Canadian in the first winter, I thought... <laughs> What? what what are people dressing up here for <laughs> and then the next winter as my cells started to completely replace themselves i was like yeah yeah a little bit of snippy yeah. uh, weather here and then now i'm total native just <laughs> um, as if i was in montreal or berlin with the uh, what do they call it in berlin the russische peitsche which means the, no the, the russian whips the cold oh, wow. winter wind but, uh, we also moved to the ocean so you get more, that'll do more it. air yeah so. that'll do it and they don't that, have heaters that... in the house <laughs> no no so. wow, i'm learning so much already about australia and i've got family over there i already thought i i already thought i knew the area pretty well you know i've, I've got family in uh, in uh, adelaide uh, as well oh wow yeah well they must yeah. be tougher stock than than i am because here i am just <laughs> whinging about it <laughs> yeah. who knows who knows right who knows um so we, we we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get right right down into it because my my excitement uh, sincerely you know and I'm 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 not one to blow smoke up anybody uh, at this particular stage, but um it, it's it's no particular secret that that I enjoy detective fiction. <laughs> I think that's been well documented uh, for for a number of years, and you've been working on uh, you've been working on a, a, a piece of fiction yourself. So is is there anything that you can that you can tell? us about it kind of give us a, a basic synopsis uh, in the in this particular uh, out, outline what why it is that you just de you decided to write a flyboy right well the story is long and twisted and strange and has something to do with you but let's say the early genesis is speaking with a guy named martin fox who 
publishes some Renaissance era memory books, amongst many other things. And he had been on my show and he was talking about Sherlock as a nice metaphor for memory enthusiasts. And I poo-pooed him at the time, just sort of spontaneously. I was like, our precious art of memory mingled with murder. And uh, it was just kind of like this preachy moment. And I didn't feel particularly bad about it at the time because of course. there's this feeling of whatever at that time. But there's an yeah. irony in it and also something that led into the story, which is that I had written my dissertation on friendship, but in writing my dissertation on friendship, I was deeply fascinated by friendships between serial killers and talked quite a bit about that. Okay. So one of the things in my dissertation was hypothetical consent and how that friendships are often very monstrous because there's a tautology in them. I assume that I can tell you whatever's on my mind because you're my friend and because you're my friend, I assume I can tell you whatever's on my mind. And so this is all intellectual noodling. But anyway, uh, <laughs> long story short, I realized that also in my own personal adventure, I'd become a little bit PTSD and I wasn't watching horror movies at all anymore and you know all kinds of stuff. So that was part of my reaction to him in that sort of thing, our precious art of memory with murder and Sherlock Holmes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then I, would, I had, had spoken with you and we were talking about the whole Sherlock thing. And yeah. I was in a bookstore one day and this Michael Connolly novel like literally leapt into my hands. And I was there because I was like, oh, I got to take a break from all this entrepreneur stuff. And I just got to like read a novel. I haven't read a novel forever and a day. Yeah. And strangely, it was one of those bizarre moments that I'm not going to get into woo woo territory, but it felt woo woo. <laughs> like it just literally the poet, what is this? And I read yeah. the first sentence and I was like, this is amazing. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'd read maybe 30% of the Michael Connolly catalog. <laughs> wow. And um, I thought, I can do this. So I uh, wrote this story called The Author. And it was really bizarre, strange. And I had handwritten it and it was maybe a novella, maybe 50,000 words. And I started typing it and I was like, I'm not retyping this handwritten novel. So <laughs> threw that away and uh, started again uh, with a whole different story. And then I thought, what if I had a detective with PTSD who d knows nothing really about memory techniques, except for that his best friend is jammering on about them all day long and He's a memory champion. And then I thought, what if the memory champion is blind? And so now we have uh, now we've the got some typical duo, but also yeah. the friendship because I'd known so I'd done so much in my dissertation on friendship and all of these issues of hypothetical consent and so forth, which maybe aren't that obvious, but they're, they're in my mind throughout the story. And then as a kind of teaching initiative, Rather than having like a pedagogical mm. novel, even though that's what it is, just showing a portrait of how somebody could learn this stuff on the job yeah. when they have psychological issues that are a barrier and actually be partly healed by it, as I myself was from using these techniques. So that's the the broad brushstrokes of how it happened. That was, but I mean, this is why I'm so excited about the whole thing, right? Because I love a puzzle. I love a puzzle, and the puzzles that you put forward uh, as part of the story were incredible. 
right? But what what you kind of have to appreciate from a from a from a reader from somebody who's who's gonna who's gonna get involved in this story is that very often when it comes to you know a piece of fiction, it is it is a great story or it is it is drama or it is tension it is you know pushing questions and giving as we would call in the in the UK the eastenders moment of the do 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 the cliffhanger uh, uh, and the like which which uh, you know I, i'm i'm not going to touch on points from the story where where they are or where they might not be um but one of one of the things that that i appreciated is weaving into it that kind of uh, educational angle you know and you 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 find your, i mean even with with myself who i like to think that i'm i'm of the opinion well i could do that too about a lot of things that interest me i and when it comes to memory and detective work <laughs> i work in the field so there's there's right. not very there's not a, um a lot of time that i get that kind of inspiration that that i could i could do that too you know i could do that and there was moments where i'm thinking how would i cope if i lost my sight how would that change my output how would that change my capability how would that change my awareness and it and it prompted new research new ideas new training uh, to do this you know i uh, revisited my uh, my living as a blind guy as best as i could uh, uh, for a couple of days um but that was that hard to do was that a challenge did you because a lot of the time it's 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 fiction it's drama it's entertainment and then it has to be the non-fiction the other side did you find uh, not that it is as binary as that but did you find it difficult to kind of weave those aspects into the story at all yes and no i mean the thing that i don't know if i'm going to be able to pull off is that i have in mind a series so <laughs> there's a big twist ending at the end of the series and I have five of the books plotted out. And then wow. I have to really think like, can I pull off this twist ending? And is it just going to be a groaner twist ending or is it going to be like, <laughs> yes, that totally makes sense because I want the twist ending to not just be a twist, but also a lesson in memory. Yeah. Right. Um, but if it's actually part 10, then that's going to put a lot of, <laughs> put a lot of, uh, onus on the memory of the reader. But yeah. in any case, the hard part really has been balancing this adventure so that the plot makes sense that the murderer is not just some cliche murderer, but also that it's not so difficult to comprehend, like <laughs> the layers of reference, but yet still have a measure of intellectual value, because that's what I think is so cool in movies like Seven, where oh, you can watch Seven over and over and over again and still have new observations, new thoughts about it. And there's even a reference to Seven in this. But then on top of that, like, can I balance this so that someone who knows nothing about memory techniques will learn about memory techniques, but mm. someone who's like yourself isn't gonna be bored by these kinds of descriptions and you'll also be pleased because you'll be like oh yeah the belt that that is kind of like a memory wheel isn't it even though i don't spell out your belt yeah. is a memory wheel uh, you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of thing but then it's there are bruno's wheels in there right and it's oh. just so uh, it may be that it's firing on too many levels at the same time and that could make <laughs> it all collapse on itself but at the same time that's been the hard part is really mm. thinking 
through what's going to make that cool for m multiple kinds of people at the same time. Oh yeah, cool. Well, we'll see. <laughs> for, 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 for what it's worth, I, I really enjoyed it. I, re I really enjoyed it. Uh, and, and I'd tell you if I didn't, you know, because we wouldn't be doing yeah, this for a start. <laughs> right? yeah. um, so based, based on that then, um, uh, where, where did you start uh, in terms of um, those, those kinds of uh, almost allegorical practices regarding uh, memory techniques? Was it, I want to use this kind of memory technique, how best can I illustrate it? Or during this illustration, this is the kind of technique that jumps out that I can kind of weave in? Or what was your, what was your kind of experience of, of those kind of things? Yeah, well, it was important that in this one, he's really just memorizing words. So yeah. there's no numbers, for example. And well, words and names, but names are words and yeah. didn't get into like discussing the fact that names are words, but <laughs> these kinds of things can gradually be of greater importance. But in the sequel, there's going to be numbers involved and, and mm. symbols because there's a sort of chemistry angle to things, but he's, his skills are going to progressively grow over the series as his challenges grow mm. also with PTSD because the PTSD yeah. is never going to go away. Sorry, spoiler alert. But <laughs> he's always going to have this. And in fact, there's a little, you haven't seen it. Oh yeah, you have seen it because I sent it to you. One of the first things that happens in the sample chapter for uh, the next part is, you know, PTSD is sort of back in his life. He already wants mm -hmm. to punch his friend. And when this yeah. guy is talking about that, like, it's not just off the cuff. Oh, I wanted to punch him because he was being annoying. It's like yeah. this PTSD, OCD, harm OCD urge. Yeah. So it never kind of leaves him. And so that's uh, part of that. But yeah, in terms of selecting the techniques, I wanted to keep it relatively simple in the beginning yeah. because he needs it. He's not doing that. But also I wanted it to be realistic so that when the life-saving application of the techniques arrives, mm. it is something that a person actually could do and then, you know, there's sort of the, the, the actual memory expert is not necessarily at the top of his game. And it really is that the detective has to be absolutely correct in order to sort of make it all fly. And I believe, and you could tell me that that's actually totally 100% realistic based on what the techniques are absolutely. and what a person with that level of experience could expect to experience in a similar situation. Absolutely. But that Absolutely. said, it's 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 couched in a scenario that's probably never going to happen to anybody. <laughs> well, it is so a piece of entertainment at the end of the day, right? We right, can't right. forget that basic fact. Uh, absolutely, there's there's nothing wrong with illustrating, uh, 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 you know, uh, a ripple effect of points that that could hit that could hit other areas, and they and they very often do, and that's that's largely the case when it comes to these quote unquote real life situations that you can end up in, in that you never really know what you're going to see or what you're going to get involved in or what your brain has to observe. You can never really prepare for that in the same way that you might prepare to sit down and go, I'm going to write a chapter today. There is a certain degree of of expectation that comes along with that. Whereas you can you can have the, right, we're going to go and interview these guys. It's about this crime or we're at this crime scene. There's these people that might be there. You can have that kind of um, uh, archetypal knowledge. But in terms of the content... <laughs> it could be anything and that's 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 that that's part of the moments that that very much came across in that it wasn't this 
all-powerful, all-knowing wizard human being that just knew everything because he knew it. You know, there was there was work involved to 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 get uh, to to get to it. You know, you were you were you were along for the connections that were made, which is why I think uh, uh, you know Sherlock appeals to so many people because he has to explain his his thoughts to Watson. So Watson is the readers, and we're all going, oh yeah, oh, I, I, you know, I could I could see that now. But the, there were there were so many moments like that during the uh, course of the novel where you'd read and you go. Go back a couple of pages. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it now. I missed. I missed that the first time, and that's that. More so than anything, is for me. Uh, you know, you could argue that I'm not really objective, but I'm trying to be. Uh, you, you could argue that that is 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 the main point. That even for people who work in the field, if they're going into the story more so they miss certain angles and have to go back and check and verify and whatnot that to me makes makes for a great story makes for a really uh deep narrative and it's not just you know something that's crime mystery solved it's not about that there is there is all these kinds of angles did you have to did you have to research the the the, the ptsd elements at all because that felt very um, felt very known, felt very understood. Well, I have experience with it, so I didn't have to go and do extra special research. Sure. But for example, I had already done the research on the uh, Tim Dalglish mm. research where he's using memory palaces to help mm. people with PTSD and depression. And I mean, when I say Tim Douglas, I mean, Tim Douglas et al. So it's not uh, just him <laughs> on these. And the stack of research papers is yeah. just enormous. Uh, also, one of my students in the magnetic memory method world named Nick Castle, he was a cop and he had been on my show talking oh, about wow. how the use of the memory techniques helped him deal with PTSD. So I had wow. that and then I'd you know, spoken with you and I thought, I, I was thinking the whole time, I hope I'm not ruining this interview because I'm kind of interviewing you about these uh, noodly, like <laughs> investigative uh, things and trying to create this portrait. Not that you have anything to do with PTSD, but then, you know, mapping that onto. So that was mm. like part of the research for that. Got it. And then, you know, you're, you're right. The, the detective fiction or crime fiction at, at large is a memory enterprise. It, it is. is this kind of like, wait a second. I got to go back. Did I miss a detail here? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's an it's an exercise of memory that other genres potentially just don't have. Yeah. You know, when when you're going through even I'm just watching Better Call Saul now, the final season, right? <laughs> There's just kind of even though it's in the crime general crime area, I don't really think of it as a crime story. No. Uh, it, it, it's more kind of like an entrepreneur story in my mind. Yeah. Um, but you kind of just let things slide. Oh, did I get that? Nah, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not, not going to go back because everybody dies in the end and Saul has a great entrepreneurial run with Walter White. You know, you just sort of know what's coming. Um, but in when I'm reading Michael Connolly or something like this, like I don't feel badly at all. It's like, hang on a second, you know, just go back a couple pages and oh, yeah, 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 that all sort of makes sense. Um, so, yeah. And, and reading and watching are, of course, two different things as well. But of course. Generally, I think this genre puts more 
memory work into the experience in order mm -hmm. to enjoy it so that you are part of the, you know, you're, you're, you're tracking the details with the detective yeah. or whomever as you go. So it's a beautiful genre in that sense. Love it. I, I, I love it. It's, it, I, I find that the more I read uh, of from anywhere within that world, I'm not just biased to Sherlock, you know, that he's my first right. love, but, but obviously it, it goes, it goes throughout because it, it sincerely, I, I share the same opinion. There are, there are those moments when I'm, I'm reading for enjoyment and it will spark an idea of how I might be able to train this better. Or I wonder if this is actually connected to research somewhere out there in the world. Let's go and let's go and start and, dare I say it, uh, an, an investigation along those lines. And right. um, one, of, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, I recently watched a, um, what do they call it, a masterclass um, with with Dan Brown, uh, the author of the, right. da Vinci, the Da Vinci Code and the like, and he was talking about how he likes to write thrillers in that he likes to go and visit these places that he's going to use as settings for the scenario so we can really get a descriptive feel uh for how to place people who are reading it in that kind of uh, in that kind of area whether they've been there or whether they haven't what what's been your experience of that in terms of the locations what's 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 inspired you to do that did you have to travel did you travel virtually what was your experience <laughs> of trying to repaint that world yeah it's interesting i lived in vancouver i'm i was born in the greater vancouver area but the, the one time that I actually, there's maybe two or three times that I looked at the internet, but one, one thing that I looked at was the, uh, the Lionsgate bridge, just to refresh my memory that there actually are lion statues there. <laughs> Cause I thought maybe that was a dream. Uh, even though I've gone across that bridge, I don't know how many dozens of times, but uh, I just wanted to see what they looked like again. And as I was writing, I also just looked at a couple of streets to, to get a, a, a sense of the leaves and, and just how they are generally, you know, there's certain, there's a kind of like compressed laneway leading to a particular house that they visit at, at some point, uh, both the killer and the detective and the, the kind of driveway, you know, is that really the way they are in that area? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, they are. So Google maps was kind of cool for that, but generally. Nice to pull back the kimono. <laughs> I mean, this may, uh, this may increase one's regard of my tactics or decrease them. But uh, there's two things going on. First of all, I remember a friend years ago, I was writing some novel back in university, and, and I had said it in Toronto. And he's like, you're never going to sell a novel set in Toronto, you got to send it in New York, nobody reads anything about locations in Canada. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so this time I thought of him again and I was like, I'm setting it in Vancouver. But the other reason why I said it in Vancouver is because I had read this book called Nabokov's favorite color is mauve. And in that book, it said that all successful novels have a lot of weather in them. And like they, they had actually dumped all the best selling novels of all time or whatever into a computer and analyzed them. And I was just like, where's the place that has the most weather that I could write about, you know, authentically. And I was like, well, there, there, there's nothing I've ever complained about more in my life than the rain in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's just always raining there. Right. Um, Surrogate England. So yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just haven't, I've spent a little bit of time in England, but uh, <laughs> not that it but was, 
Well, part of the series later and in part two, they get into the hermetic memory techniques and a lot of hermeticism has to do with this fantasy that you could do certain things that would magically transform outcomes. Mm. And part of the detective's fantasy, I mean, giving away is part of the plot here, but it's a fantasy that's given to him is that he's going to now, and it's also part of his healing. Well, that's the whole thing. He wrote the book yeah. as part of his healing of his PTSD at the recommendation of the doctor, but then that injects in him the poisonous idea that he might actually be able to be a successful writer. And so Amazing. that's all, all in the mix as well. And it isn't, it isn't part of my own little thing because I'm already a successful writer. So I don't like quite need that to happen, but, um, you, you just write what you know, right? So, uh, it's kind of uh i'm almost reverse engineering what i've already done <laughs> and giving him some of that to lend it more authenticity because yeah. you know if i don't if i don't base it on this particular field then it would just be too much research i guess yeah uh, no i get you i could I have given you. him somebody else's fantasy but whatever <laughs> uh, and i had been a store detective too so it's not a real detective but i knew a little bit about you know what it means to just walk around observing people citizens arrest you know that kind of stuff so it, detecting it, is detecting the only the only real change <laughs> if you want to be semantic about it is stakes the actual mechanicry remains similar uh, uh similar on mass just to jump in as well for rosendo that's uh, asked the question the novel we are talking about is uh is mr mativier's novel flyboy um right. that will be coming uh soon let's keep it mysterious Ooh, soon. Uh, <laughs> it's, soon. <laughs> it's a massive project um audiobook production and wow, wow. everything uh, and so, every barrier under the sun <laughs> arises. so so from from inception to finished piece not finished audio but the finished story itself what was the kind of time frame that it took it's it's now been in it's now been 13 months since I started writing and months. the writing part was the easiest because <laughs> the, the way I write, when I write a book and I've written a lot of books, yeah. I don't, I'm not writing a book unless I'm writing 2k words a day, period. Wow. So I wrote it in 44 days, the first draft. Wow. And I've Rest been through it now six <laughs> times. Versions. Got it. And I've got to go through it one more time because the version you saw is just a, like a mock-up of the layout. But there's right. actually like a professional layout that I'm looking through now and some graphic elements like texts that the characters send now look yeah. like texts gotcha. and forum posts look like forum posts and, Amazing. you know, like all the cool stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got you got to make it uh, uh, walk the walk as well as talk the talk, right? If I'm if yeah, yeah. we can go with me on that fairly nondescript metaphor. <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to well. get this is a this is like an ugly print wow. just for me to work with and you can't quite see it but here it says like you know not for resale across the cover but um i want to get the memory wheel maybe frosted on the the uh the part divisions and then maybe like a little memory wheel here on the spine and so forth so there's still like details to go but it's getting closer and closer and closer <laughs> well, well that's that, that's that's the thing with being an artiste right there, there's there's never 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 you know the perfect amount of satisfaction that will come along with we can always tweak and change and add or alter or take away the, the little elements till it's 
till it's uh, till it's perfect. Now, I've got to ask you, when it comes to the, um, well, it, it's I wouldn't really describe them as that with uh, with with your novel, but the 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 the, the, the modus operandi is the same. The, the the deductive pieces when it comes to the connections being made that move the mystery forwards um or move it in move it in a direction that it needs to go uh, is is probably uh, is probably the better way of saying it how did you approach uh, uh, approach that particular uh, that particular function how did you approach that yeah it's interesting so i used to be a film studies professor and i also nice. worked as a story consultant nice. so when i started to put this together i thought Okay, so if I'm going to do this and make it any good, I better rely on some of that knowledge. So part of putting it together is really a mixture of two things. A hero's journey is quite clear, but I don't know that everybody knows it as, as in-depth as they might. Should. So <laughs> the long and short of it is the way I did it in this novel was hero's journey plus. So nice. it's like... <laughs> It's not only that the character is haunted by a ghost, but they have a driving ambition that's in conflict with their unconscious need while they're sort of ruminating over this ghost that never sees, seems to yeah. lead, leave them. And then they have always these like endless periods of delay. And there's actually like quite a few elements of delay. And the, the, the crisis that requires the, the so-called decision and action actually happens like multiple times throughout this. And... I play with that a lot mm. in terms of kind of like revenge motives and, you know, or the satisfaction of vengeance coming in unusual ways, etc. And um, so I play a lot with the conventions and, you know, the idea that the self-revelation happens effortlessly when the character finally resolves the conflict between their driving ambition and their unconscious need. I play with that stuff. Uh, visit to the underworld, the moments of doubt where the character, you know, all that is just like as layered on as thick as possible. <laughs> and I, I partly wanted to like play around with all that stuff because yeah. one of the secret sauces in that film critics are all like drooling over is when the dynamic world is really well sketched out. And so here the dynamic world is both characters are like both the bad guy and the good guy are deeply nostalgic. They're trying to hold, hold on to a world that is changing and the things they love are disappearing. Mm -hmm. But the detective has one quality that the bad guy doesn't, which is that he kind of gets it yeah. in a sense. And so like his boss is like changing of the guard. He's totally against it. Super conservative. And the detective is like kind of, but why is he sort of yeah. able to mitigate it or to deal with it a little bit? Well, partly it's because he's memory training and <laughs> he's got like this greater capacity to have tolerance for the change. Anyway, there's lots of references to, to stuff that people my age and I imagine your age have, have underwent in terms of the death of certain industries yeah. in entertainment in particular. And so, plotting all that out as the dynamic world and then linking it to the standard hero's journey structures uh, was a lot of fun. And I thought a lot about it. Uh, and I, I you know, took notes. I took notes from David Mamet, who yeah. this is just some obscure interview. I'd probably never find if you asked me to search for it because it was back in TV <laughs> days, maybe it's on YouTube, but 
he had said in an interview one time, he's like, yeah, I write most of my stuff in two hours. And, uh, but that's after two years of thinking about it. <laughs> and so, you know, it took me 44 days to draft, to do the first draft, but I had thought quite, quite a lot about how all of this, um, was going to play out. And yeah, the more you base it on what's actually in the world, the, the sort of easier it is. But yeah, those, those elements are, are really key. The, this, the, the changing world dynamic, the hero's journey, and then really trying to trying to have the characters have plus minus like enneagram stuff you know yeah um, yeah so that there's this this kind of like fullness in, in the in the whole series where and it, the, the 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 actual story talks about the self you know the, the self erasing signatures yeah. and all that sort of stuff yeah and that's kind of like this <laughs> muted reference to enneagram kind of thinking anyway i i think i wonder myself is this just too much stuff going on but i tried to you know in the success of drafts just kind of yeah. you know uh barbara gowdy she's a a canadian novelist and she says that she always just sort of like goes through them and and uh you know just gradually yeah, fine tooth comb, gradually preens. That's the word she used. I preen my drafts. <laughs> got it. Got it. The the the, the first uh, the, the first time I read it because I've I've read it a couple of times now. I I like I was telling telling one of my friends about it. Um Adam uh, as it goes, uh, the guy the guy I did the podcast with. Um that to me it was a little like a Rubik's cube in in that you could sit with a, a lack of knowledge and be like 43 quintillion different this is so complicated and whatnot but when you when you look at like one or two algorithms that put one or two things in place and then it all starts to come together and you this is the point of the journey that you go on with these guys as friends because they're teaching you about it on the way and it, you feel at the end like again at least for me was was this um accomplishment i guess would probably be the, the the best way of describing it that like holy sh uh, nearly uh holy word that we can probably insert there I, I i completed this with you guys you know like that's that's what it felt that's what it felt like and um so yeah very much so for, for the people that aren't as familiar with as heroes uh, sorry heroes journey as they should be uh, uh luke skywalker would probably be the most uh, <laughs> the most illustrative right, right. example uh, of of the hero's journey there, but it's uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a series of texts, uh, I, I believe, isn't it? The, the, or just one one gigantic book um, that you can get at this stage, and you'll know as well. David Mamet, what was that film with uh, with Alec Baldwin? Always be closing, Seven, yeah. always be closing, oh, yeah, always uh, be closing. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that, that was that was Mamet. Uh, uh, Finest. Yeah, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Glenn. Yes, I, I, I was. I'm sat here going, g, 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 and I couldn't get further than that. I couldn't get further than that at the time. Glenn yeah. Gary, Glenn Ross. Perfect. I like it. So, what's what's the what's the next plan for for Flyboy? Then is it is it onto the audiobook creation? Um, what's what what are you currently working on within it within uh, within that realm at the minute? Well, I've just seen version 10 of the final layout and there's a couple oh. of corrections for that. And the audiobook's done. I just have to re-record three or four sentences. And then but there's you've all done the, the you've done the voice, sorry. 
Yeah, I recorded it. Amazing. Um, I I tried to hire a guy. Uh, I mean, I tried. I auditioned a bunch of people, and there was one guy. He sounded so perfect. Like he sounded kind of like the age of the detective, and just the just the way that he put pauses in was way better than mine. But (laughs) then. He got into it and he was just like, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. Anyway, so, uh, and speaking of rain, I mean, it, I, I moved recently and the roof is just so loud when the rain comes. So I had sometimes four days where I couldn't record. So it's been a super big challenge, but I think it sounds quite good now. And Amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a detailed novel. And as I was recording it, I mean, I don't know which version you saw, but I just thought, <laughs> oh, damn, this could be so much better. So the the actual recording that the editor had to deal with, there's sometimes like 40 minutes of revision that he had to cut out of the recording because I would just change it while I was recording. Amazing. And then I would read it and see if it sounded right. And then I would do it again and again. But, you know, I'm not a perfectionist. It's just it's just it, well, uh, it, it know, just needs to be right. Well, it needs to be as right as it can be in that I can try to get as many mistakes, etc., and like these little cool things as possible, but without delaying it forever. But you know, there's call for delay uh, sometimes, as the hero <laughs> adventure uh, absolutely must include. But um, this is after like, this was literally just a week ago. I was looking at Stephen King's The Shining, and it's it looks like a new edition. I don't know if it's a new introduction, but he was saying in there that The Shining was his moment where he knew that he was either going to just keep doing the same thing or he was going to reach for higher things. And that's essentially what this book is, is to reach for a higher thing, to, to look at memory techniques in a way that I don't think has been done before. There's certainly been books where like Timothy Moser has Spanish books where he'll, his, his Spanish book builds you the memory palace city and you follow a bee around and it helps you understand Spanish mnemonics, you know, and you can build your own or you can just go to the fairgrounds and that'll help you learn certain Spanish words. So that's already been done. And I just thought we've got to be able to take this kind of story and learning to a different place. So the only other thing is, is part of the promotion to generate buzz, as they say, and so forth is I've cooked up a game. And so when I launch it, we're going to play a game in, in the magnetic zoom room. And that will be basically in this narrative world. And I got a whole other murder that needs to be investigated. And the people who are investigating it with me, they will have a certain demand on their memories. And there'll be a little guide that will help those who don't know how to make a memory palace and how to use basic association. So that when we get to trial and you're called upon to testify, your memory is either stellar or it isn't. And the killer either walks free or he doesn't. And that's up to (laughs) the memory detectives who join us for the game. Bravo. Bravo. Great (laughs) idea. I love it. I love it. I mean, some like I'm I'm working on Kane's jawbone at the minute. Uh, Are you are you familiar with Kane's jawbone? Yeah. So I'm I'm working on I'm I'm working on that at the minute. And the more I'm 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 kind of getting to grips with that, the more I find an appreciation for pieces of fiction that assist me in in other areas. And then I, I I slowly look back at all of the pieces of fiction that I have 
not very many that I have, but all of the pieces of fiction that I've ever read or, or you know, or that I've ever I've ever got on uh, gotten on board with, I've always been drawn more to the things that provide me some insights that provide me some lesson that i can learn you know uh, even down to something as fantastical as a superhero franchise you learn something about the power of resilience and the power of will uh you know mm. and it, it certainly it, it doesn't come out of a super serum bottle but how you can how you can take them that that kind of lesson and 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 make it something that you can utilize yourself and that to me was but that was the strongest point of of flyboy so whatever form it comes in whether whether it be you know audio handwritten <laughs> or, or, or or version or version 210 it, it will be it will be well worth the wait um so uh, did you uh take take kane's jawbone apart i know some people they they take it apart and put it on their wall i i i haven't i haven't taken it apart i've uh well, it's, it's it's here uh, uh, at the minute, it's it remains fully intact. I'm one of these people that I I malign the cracking of spines on, on a book. <laughs> so right, for right. for me to be encouraged to rip it apart, it's like sacrilege. <laughs> right. So so what I'll do, what what well what I do is I I read it and then I make notes uh, at the side. So there's there's a there's fast becoming a, a gigantic pile uh, of uh, of the thoughts and musings and, and things to work on at the side. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting there, uh, slow and steady. I'm not trying to do it within the time frame because I don't care about the prize. Um, not in some kind of arrogant, grandiose way. That's, that's just not why I play with puzzles. It's not what I'm interested in. Um, I just want to know that I've been able to do it. That's, that's, all, that's all I'm really interested in. Um, what I was going to ask you, is um based on the 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 initial collections of uh, of detective stuff that you that you were reading uh ha have there been any others that you've been interested in uh that, that you've been getting involved in or, or reading or watching uh, as well alongside with your work on flyboy yeah uh well i i read reread a fair amount of sherlock uh so nice. you know the final problem is must Classic. reading for sure 100%. Uh, I didn't reread all of it, uh, at least the short story stuff. But I also looked at some of the um, some of the things that were filmed and so mm. forth. And I thought I thought a lot about Watson because, in some sense, what I did is I reversed the 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 roles of the characters. So, right. the sidekick is the Sherlock, and the writer is the yeah. detective. You know, so yeah. it it's that sort of thing. And I know that Watson didn't write every single story, but there is this kind of thing of like the writing is in production as one goes along. And that's quite interesting to me because, you know, theoretically the serial killer genre is the, is the child of the serial fiction. You know, it's yeah. this idea of like racking up numbers and stuff like this. And when we think of our precursors as writers like Jack London, literally yeah. counting how many words they were writing because that would help them predict how much they would be able to eat, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that, and, you know, just in terms of other fiction that has stood up uh, to me, I, I sort of followed Michael Connolly's references. So uh, James Lee Burke, uh, nice. The Neon Rain, that's amazing. And John Sanford, I think his name is. Um, I'm not. I'm not familiar has, with that, that guy. 
yeah, he's he's got he's got an I mean, you see it in other stories, but his uh, detective is just super rich. Like he's very good at betting. Cool. So he's uh, he he has no loss for material resources. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um that 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 guy was pretty cool. And I also went through um some just I've been in on this long rereading project where nice. I'm rereading things that I've read before. Like I, I'll never be able to do it. It's kind of a false goal, but trying to reread all of the stuff I did at university. So right. like rereading the Odyssey by Homer, yeah. for example, and revivify, you know? Yeah. It's, it's totally, it's, it's mind blowing. Actually mm. the stuff that you probably never noticed the first time around. Mm. And even if you did, um, you know, you just, yeah, revivify is exactly the word. And then just, you know, part of the, the thing is with the changing of the guard and society changing and new rules coming in. Yeah. And I, I started to read a lot of the theory and, you know, we're in these, these certain times. And so I've kind of been just a little bit more sympathetic to some of the some of the things because I had read a lot of that theory when I was in university and rereading it again is quite interesting. So I'm talking about like the French stuff like Derrida, Deleuze. Uh, there's just so much interesting stuff and how it's all been so badly misread, which was part of the tone of this, case. you know, the idea yeah. that the, de the detectives don't notice the most obvious clue, you know, in terms of <laughs> like where you might look for such a, a, a thing. <laughs> but oh, of the course, was in the at the same time, it's <laughs> Well, at the same time, it's not so obvious because the world mm. is changing and it's like exactly. people rent movies. No, <laughs> it's, just, it's not a thing <laughs> right. anymore. So like, and I don't like spell all that stuff out necessarily in the book, but it's just it's just lingering there as yeah. as this this problem. So I, I read a lot of theory, long story short, and reread a lot of theory. And then there's just um, stuff that I'm very precious to in theory, like Bataille, Georges Bataille. I don't know if you know that guy. I don't. But, um, he uh, there's a couple of things where he's deeply influential here. One of which is his idea of general economy being that excess wealth can never be spent. And okay. so don't I don't say he's right or wrong. Uh, and I don't make an yeah. argument, but he talks about like this, this kind of flourishing that becomes so profound, your lawn flourishes so profoundly that yeah, it's beautiful. Look at all my plants. They're wonderful. Yeah. But they also start to break your wonderful concrete laneway. Right. Yeah. And you couldn't, you could never prevent that, 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 that flourishing is going to, mm. is going to break down. And he thought that that was the source of a lot of conflict, more and more wealth that can never be effectively spent leads to the breakdown of societies leading to conflicts like entire world wars. Yeah. So he had like this idea that we should go back to like potlatch culture where you try to out gift each other, where in order to try to spend excel s excess wealth, you try to excessively gift. And okay. uh, I had, I'd seen this play out in real life because I grew up in British Columbia in Canada and Vancouver area. And I had a native girlfriend and we went to a potlatch one time. And I'm not kidding you, man. They really try to outgift each other. <laughs> one truck comes in and it's loaded with fish, salmon from the catch. And they can they can over overfish if they want because they, they don't need a fishing license and all that of stuff. Of course. And um, and I guess they wouldn't call it overfishing. Anyway, the whole idea is <laughs> they um, 
they bring in this truck loaded with fish. And then to outgift that gift for the other tribe brings in this truck loaded with fridges and freezers to have the fish in, right? So then they're going to split the fridges and the freezers and split the Amazing. fish amongst each other, right? And then they bring in the blankets and then they bring in the pillows, like, you know, and they just sort of, they sort of end up distributing it all throughout gifting each other, but it's a symbolic attempt. So wow. how exactly that plays out in just this story is not entirely clear, but it's going to be in the, in the, the whole sort of series. Yeah. Um, and the other thing from Bataille that's really super important, especially for memory people, is in a book called Inner Experience, Bataille says that one of his best personal transformations was not just when he realized that he wanted everything. He wanted to know everything and to be God. But when he realized that the shame that he felt for wanting that very thing was part of everything. <laughs> wow. So uh, that I think that profound. that's just, yeah, like it's over the top, right? Yeah. Um, and I might be misinterpreting it, but <laughs> that's what I got out of inner experience. Uh, Either way, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think it's implicit in all the memory stuff. I mean, I work mm. with so many people, and they have this this desire for to to know it all, to remember it mm. all. And I often point out to them this point from Bataille, which is, well, mm. then you better get used to also knowing the mistakes, also having forgetting, also having your shame, also, you know, having yeah. your capacity to deal with that shame. Because yeah. if you're on an everything quest, then everything's going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. warts and all, as they say, yeah. warts and all. Um, so, so just in closing then, sir, if I were going to put some pressure on you, let's say, let's say top five, whether that be whether that be books, whether that be films or TV, works of detective fiction that you would consider some form of inspiration to to the work that you've created. You mentioned Seven. You mentioned uh, the the work of Michael and and the like. Any others spring to mind that people should get involved in? By your recommendation, yes. not as an active encouragement. <laughs> There, there's no perfect place to start with this, but definitely yeah. the, the Testament of Dr. Mabuza. So there are many Mabuza movies, whether that's the best start or not, I don't know. Anyway, that's Fritz Lang. And yeah. I think Mabuza the Gambler was the first one. I'm not a big fan of that one, but uh, mm. these are based on French novels. But Testament of Dr. Mabuza is really, really cool. And it has... Well, I don't want to spoil it, but I think you can watch it on YouTube with English uh, subtitles. It is just astonishing, and it's very deep and rich. Uh, and also from Fritz Lang M, which is you know an early sort of serial killer yeah. story. I got uh, so involved yeah, seven... in a lot of that work when I was learning French. I, that's that's one of the things that I would enjoy. Mm. But sorry, carry on. Seven. Yeah, seven. I think I think it's called The Watcher which is James Spader maybe and um, yes, Keanu Reeves is the bad yeah, guy. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I think that one's quite a nice one. And, you know, thinking back to my dissertation, it's, it's not a crime story, but there is a there is a deep, deep crime in it, which has to do with the hypothetical consent, which is Toy Story. I think Toy Story is one of the greatest crime stories ever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a caper. It's definitely got yeah. a caper element, but it also has this, sort of hypothetical consent where 
just way too much is assumed to be okay because not just that you're friends, but you're thrown into a environment that makes your friendship implicit, your toys in the toy box, right? So yeah. now this gives you this right to act with each other some way. So I just throw that in there because I think we often don't think of all the crimes that are happening that we don't think of as crimes, but there, yeah. there are these transgressions, which reminds me, the king of them all, really, is the crime we do to ourselves. So, you know, the prestige mm -hmm. is is a great crime movie. It's definitely the Oedipal crime of, yeah. you know, you're you're making your own problems and you're not really understanding things. And then just Christopher Priest at large. I mean, the affirmation. Oh, yes. The the most recent one, um, the evidence just over the I've, top, I've, man. That guy's I've, amazing. I've not done that one yet. I've not done that, but yeah, absolutely. His work is, oh, my legs have been going like this the whole time. That's like my kind of telltale sign when I'm excited about talking about things. My legs are exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those would be some of my top ten. I wish they would make a movie amazing. of every Christopher Priest that I've read, including his yeah. novelizations. I mean, no, a lot of people yeah. don't know, but he novelized. Uh, existence for example yeah. i almost want to see the movie version of his novelization because he That'd changed be it so much it's, it's really killer. amazing <laughs> <laughs> i love it love it so listen sir thank you so much for stopping by and giving so readily of your time i know it is zero dark 30 wherever you are uh, in, in the world so uh, so thank you so much for that and uh, ladies and gentlemen if you have any kind of an interest in anything that we've been talking about today keep your eyes ears nose peeled however it is that you stay tuned for information on flyboy and anthony mativier's work uh, make sure you're checking out his channel get involved in the magnetic memory method uh, the courses the podcasts the works it is a mere google search away and uh, and it's well worth it it's well worth it so sir thank you very much for your time and uh I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. <laughs> oh, and I can't wait. And thank you, everyone. And thanks, Ben, very much. Cheers, mate.